It was the last Sunday of 2019, December 19th. As you know, may, may remember, it was at the Westway Church of Christ where the unthinkable occurred. Uh, what happened there was something that no church ever wants to see happen, where you had an active shooter that came that was there during the service. And while the loss of innocent life was tragic, uh, the two men that died was, was very, very tragic, yet the quick response of the security team certainly saved lives that day. Had they, not, had they been a church that had not had a security team, uh, there would have been no telling how many people could have lost their lives on that, that Sunday, just eight weeks ago. It hadn't been that long ago. And churches like ours have used that incident to evaluate and to learn ways to improve and strengthen our security measures to where if you're wearing a long coat, our security guys are going to ask you to open it up. If you've got a large purse or something, they're going to ask you to open that up, not because they're interested in what's in there, but just to, for, for our safety and to, and to make sure that we're taking all the steps necessary to ensure the safety of those who are here to worship. In fact, it's my opinion, and I don't mean to sound heartless or cruel, but in my opinion, it, it's reckless and, and unconscionable for any church not to take the necessary precautions to protect those who gather for worship because there are evil people out there. There are evil people out there who, who, did, who, are, who are bent on bringing harm uh, to, to people within a church. And I think, I think it's, it's important for every church uh, to, in the day and time in which we live, though I hate it, it's important for every church to make sure that they're doing all that they can to protect those who worship. However, uh, there is even, I think, a graver danger that exists in a church than an active shooter incident. And that danger, I believe, is unpacked for us in our text today. This danger can, however, though, be mitigated, but it requires the work of a different kind of security team. There's a danger. I think it's a danger that, that is just as grave or in many ways even more grave than, than, than having an active shooter come into your service. But it's also a danger that can be mitigated, that can be lessened uh, by the fact that you have a security team at work. You say, well, who is this security team? We're going to find out today that this security team is comprised of you. That every member of this church is to be part of this security team. Every member. You are part of this security team and you carry a weapon. The weapon that you carry and that the weapon that you are called upon to use is your spiritual gift. That's your weapon. That's the, that's the thing that God has called you to use in order to provide security for this church. And I know right now, I just, I just, I'm throwing it out there. I want you to think about it. And as we make our way through that text, let that sink in. As you recall, so we're kind of by way of review where we've been at here in Ephesians 4. As you recall, the unity of this church has been established by the triune God. We don't establish, no church establishes unity. Unity has already been established. Because we are part of the body of Christ, because of the work of the Father, because of the work of the Son, because of the work of the Spirit, we have unity. It is not our responsibility to establish unity. However, Ephesians 4 makes it clear that we are commanded to maintain it. It's not our job to establish it, 
But it is our job to maintain that unity. And we found out that our unity is maintained through a powerful, effective, divine enablement that has been given to each believer known as spiritual gifts. One of the reasons that God has given you a spiritual gift, this divine enablement, this, this uh, enablement that is powerful and effective, is so that we can bring our conduct up to the level of our calling. Our calling is, is we've been established in unity. Our conduct is, is to maintain that unity. And how we maintain that unity, according to Ephesians 4, is through the use of our spiritual gifts. We found last week that Christ gives gifted people to the church for the purpose of preparing believers for the work of the ministry. And the work of the ministry is the use of their spiritual gift to achieve the goal. What's the goal? The goal is the corporate maturity of the congregation. We told you last week that one of the things that just that that, that again it was, it was kind of it's been always kind of in the back of my mind, but it just it just became in living color for me in studying last week is the fact that that none of us none of us can fully reflect Christ uh, because of the fact that that we're in this process of sanctification we're not glorified yet. And, and all of us have areas in our lives where, where we struggle. All of us have areas in our lives where the fruit of the Spirit is not as, uh, as strong as, as, it, as it can be and should be. But because we are made up of different people with different gifts, that, and we are able to reflect Christ fully. Uh, because where I'm not able to reflect Christ in a certain area, you are able. And where you might be able or not able, the person sitting, sitting next to you is able. And so part of what it means to be corporately mature is, is that if we're using our spiritual gifts and we're, and we're seeking to grow in our relationship with Christ, that this church can't, as a whole, as a whole, we can reflect the full character of Christ, the full stature of Christ. We make up, we make up together what we lack individually. And that there's somebody in this church, there's several somebodies in this church where one area where we might be weak individually, they're able to pick up the slack and carry the slack and be able to fully reflect Christ in that area. And that helps us to learn, that helps us to grow, but together we can fully reflect Christ. Again, uh, Paul talks about that fact, and, and doing that, that's part of the purpose of preparing believers for the work of the ministry. Now, in our text today, Paul continues to explain why this goal of corporate maturity is vital. Why is it so important that we mature corporately? Why is that so necessary? Well, again, it's necessary in order for us to reflect Christ fully, but there's also other reasons why it's necessary. And, and Paul is going to let us know in, in our text this morning that one of the reasons why corporate maturity is necessary is because corporate maturity enables us to protect one another. A church that is corporately mature is a church that is much better equipped in protecting each other, our one another's, our responsibilities towards each other. In other words, the active use of of your spiritual gift. Because in order to achieve corporate maturity, we have to exercise our spiritual gifts. There is no corporate maturity without the exercise of the corporate body's use of their spiritual gifts. It it can't happen. 
It, do, it won't happen. It's impossible for a church to mature corporately if the people of the church, if the leadership of the church, are not exercising their spiritual gifts. But Paul also lets us know that it's through the exercise of the spiritual gifts that we're able to protect one another. In other words, as we talked about, in, in, in the active use of your spiritual gifts protects me and it protects you from being deceived by others to embrace error. The active use of your spiritual gift not only protect, it protects, it protects one another, it protects you, it protects me from, from being deceived into error. You and I are all members of the Covenant Life Baptist Church spiritual security team. We all are. We all are members of the CLBC spiritual security team. And, and, and we're going to see that today. Our focus today is going to be upon one verse. And that verse is verse 14, which tells us why we need protection. Let's read it again. We'll go back to it all throughout the, all throughout the message today. But look at verse 14 again. So that we may by addressing our vulnerability. Our, vulnerable, our vulnerability. Look at it again. So that we may no longer be children. Our vulnerability is, is that we are childish by nature. We are childish by nature. This verse begins, there's the word, it looks, it's I, it looks like I-N-A. It, it's, it's actually that little apostrophe there gives you a, 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 an H sound. Uh, it's a hard, so you got, it's a henna. It's a henna clause. And a henna clause normally, most of the time, is a purpose clause. And so Paul begins this verse with a henna clause, and he states the purpose of our corporate maturity, so that, or in order that. This is the reason why, if you look, to the verse, look at the verse before it, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, in order that, for the purpose that, we may no longer be children. One of the reasons for corporate maturity is so that we will no longer be children. Uh, that's the purpose of it. But in fact, this henna clause has a twofold purpose. That purpose in verse 14 is to protect individual believers from deceit by the trickery of people, so that you may no longer be children, tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human craftiness, by, uh, 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 by human cunning, by craftiness and dece- deceitful schemes. And that henna clause also goes down to verse 15. In order that, for this reason, he says, rather, for this reason, speaking the truth in love, we are able to grow up into every way into him who is the head into Christ. So there's two reasons here. There's two purposes why the church, it's, it's, it's vitally important that the church matures corporately. Other than the fact that we are to reflect Christ fully, he says another reason is so that we can protect each other. And the second reason in verse 15 is to promote healthy growth and development. So this is what corporate maturity does for us individually. Corporate maturity does for us individually is that it protects us. It protects us individually. But it not only protects us individually, it also promotes growth and development, spiritual growth and development individually. So both things are happening here as it relates in, 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 into the body. So 
Paul says that we need protection and we need to promote healthy growth and development because we begin our Christian sojourn as children. He says here, he says, for that, here's the purpose, so that we may no longer be children. Corporate maturity is for this purpose, so that we may no longer be children. The word that's, that's, that's used here for children describes one who is lacking. That, that's, that a child is lacking. And in this context, they lack experience, they lack insight, they lack understanding, they lack perception. And, and, and just think, children... children like all those things, don't they? I mean, they go and they put their hand on a hot stove, and they learn. Huh. You know, they learn. They, they lack experience. They they, they 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 lack certain things. And part of being a child is is lacking these things. But Paul says here is that also spiritually, this can be true of us as well. That we can lack spiritual insight. That we can lack spiritual uh, experience. That we can lack we can uh, 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 lack in our perception. And our text warns that a believer not only can remain, but even regress in childishness. Because look again, look what he says here. He says, so that we may no longer be children. In other words, growth is an intentional endeavor. Spiritual growth just doesn't happen. I get saved, and 10 years from now, I've got 10 years worth of, 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 of spiritual maturity under my belt. That's, that's not necessarily true. Spiritual growth doesn't just happen. And we can even see that physically. A person can, can mature physically without really maturing. I mean, how many times men have our wives accuse us of being kids? You know? And it's usually true. You know? You're acting like a child. Uh, you know, just because just because you 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 physically aged doesn't mean that you've become mature, a mature individual. Physical age does not always equal maturity, uh, and, and the same way it's true spiritually. Just because you've been saved for X amount of years doesn't mean that you're spiritual spiritually mature. Maturity is not something that happens to us. Maturity is something that we have to choose, that we have to stretch for, that we have to pursue. And Paul is letting them know here in, the, in the, these Ephesian members here, he says, I, I'm telling you, I, no longer, I don't want you no longer to be children. In fact, that is, that is so much emphasized because after Paul uses that introductory word, that, that henna clause, to let, us know that he's, uh, to, to let us know that this is the purpose of, of, of what he's getting to write, the next word that he uses is the word that is translated no longer. For this reason, no longer. For this reason, no longer. I mean, if you, if you were to give it, again, a wooden translation in that verse, you would translate it, and, and, the, and the ESV does, does a good job here. He says, so that we may be no longer. So that we may no longer be children. The emphasis is upon the no longer. No longer. No longer. No longer. He's emphasizing th- this fact to them. We are to be a child no more. No more, which implies that is what we are by nature. If you leave a Christian to themselves, if I do not have the, 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 the body of Christ coming along beside me and helping me, left to myself, I will not spiritually mature. Left to myself, it's not going to happen. 
I need the body of Christ to do that. And he says here, we are to be a child no more. It is a decision. Effort is required if you and I are no longer going to be characterized by childlessness. It's a choice. It's a choice that we make. And Paul says, we're vulnerable. We are vulnerable. We are childish by nature. And and we have to make the decision to grow. We have to make the decision to mature individually. Corporate maturity resulting from the practice of spiritual gifts protects the most vulnerable. Those who are spiritual children. That's what, he's given us the purpose for corporate maturity. And corporate maturity is a result of the body using its spiritual gifts. And part of why it's vital that as a church we use, that each member is using their spiritual gifts is because there are times and there's areas in all of our lives where we can be childish spiritually. And we're not to be that way. We're not to stay that way. We're not to go back that way. And Paul then in the next phrase is going to to illustrate. He's going to give us the evidence of their vulnerability. And their, their vulnerability is evidenced by their instability. He gives us an illustration of childlessness. Go back to verse 14. He says, So that you may no longer be children, tossed to and fro by the waves, and carried about by every wind of doctrine. Instability. Paul uses two participles here to point to paint similar pictures. He's got two canvases up here. And he's got one seascape and he's got one landscape. And he's painting two pictures. And he's using these two pictures to make the same point. And by using these two pictures, he's emphasizing this. He's emphasizing it. He's saying the same thing, the exact same thing, but he's using two pictures to paint. And, and, and what that does is he's, 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 just, he's, he's pounding it. He's pounding into our thinking. He wants us to recognize that, that what he's saying here is something that we need to seriously, seriously take. Both participles, both participles are passive indicating that you have an outside source that is causing this to occur. It's something outside of us. It's something outside. What, 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 what this, this instability is something that, that is sourced from outside and has an effect upon us. And the two phrases, the two participle phrases here, are, are, are the phrase that, 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 that's translated in the verse, tossed to and fro. And the second phrase that he uses here uh, is carried about. So, tossed to and fro is the first phrase, and carried about is the next phrase. Tossed to and fro and carried about. Now, that phrase to and fro there pictures an object being thrown around. It's an object that's going back and forth and back and forth and back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. It's just tossed about. It's never still. It's just back and forth and back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. And it pictures one who is confused and lacks stability. 
I mean, they're here, and then 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 they're here. It's kind of like that, oh, I don't even remember the, t the title of it, but that old song back when I, Papa was a rolling stone, where he, wherever he laid his hat was his home, and when he died, all he left me was what? Uh, his loan, that's right. All he left me was his loan. Uh, you know, and so that's the idea there. You're just back. No stability. No stability. Uh, all this confusion. Just, just here and there and here and there and here and there and here and there. The next phrase carried about pictures an object being violently swirled around. Being violently swirled around. And, and the object is turned. Again, if, if you look back at the text, we may be jumping a little bit ahead here, where it says, carried about, and it talks about every wind. And, and we'll, we'll talk about that more in just a second. But, but the idea here is you've got the winds coming this way, then 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 the winds coming that way, then the winds coming this way, and the winds coming that way. And you've got all these winds coming from all these different directions, and it's just, it's just swirling it around. It's just getting, just getting swirled around and around and around. The object is turned every which way. You know, sometimes you can see that when the wind's blowing kind of hard and it picks up maybe a piece of paper or something like that, and that, that object gets swirled around this way, then the wind might change directions, and it gets swirled around this way. Or have you ever dropped, when it's windy outside, and you dropped a piece of paper or something, and then you go, remember, you go to get it, and about the time you get ready to pick up, what happens? It goes down, it goes up, and you get over there, and about the time you get ready to pick up, it goes the other direction. And then you find, you're out here running all over the place trying to find it. And find, you know, finally, you put your foot, you stomp down on it and, and hopefully get it. But it's, it's getting, that's, that's the picture here. That's the picture. Next time you see that or it happens to you, think about this verse. That's the picture here. They're, they're just being turned around every which way. And, and when it's used in reference to a person, it results in extreme dizziness. I mean, they're just... I mean, they're just, get, they're just getting turned every which way. There's no bearing. There's no stability. There's no equilibrium. They're confused. When you're dizzy, you're confused. That's the, that, that's the two phrases there. But he also gives us the agents of this tossing and swirling. And the agents of this tossing and swirling are the waves and the wind that is coming from all directions. Look, you know, look at the text again. He says that, that we may no longer be children, and then he's going to paint this picture. This is what being a child looks like. He says, tossed to and fro by the waves. That's the instrument, by the waves, and carried about by every wind. Every wind of doctrine. Every wind. So, by the ways and by every wind. Those are the agents. And so, basically, he lets us know here that, that you have what's tossing and swirling, the pictures that he's got, again, a landscape, <clears throat> excuse me, and a, and a seascape. So, this back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. You got these huge waves. I, I mean, I've, I've only really been on a large ship once when we took that cruise to Alaska and uh, years ago. And there was one day where we were at a show uh, and it was, uh, the, the waves were bad that day. And I remember, I remember watching, uh, 
You know, and then everything where you could kind of see us tilt and do that. And that's the only time, that's, that's the closest I came to getting seasick, was that. You know, oh. but some of you have been out on naval ships or things like that, and, and the weather way, oh, man, those waves just toss you this way and that way and that way and that way. And, and it, that big, old, heavy ship is being tossed around like a toy boat. By the waves. By waves. Just being tossed around. And the wind is, 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 is pushing us in all these different directions. You know, you, you ever been out where it's been, when the wind's been really high and you try to walk against it and it's hard to walk against it? Or maybe you've seen the videos where tornadoes have come through and picked up cars like they're toy cars and put them somewhere else. That's again. That, that, that's 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 the agent of this. You have waves that, that are strong and wind that is strong that is pushing and moving and doing all that. And he tells us that the content of these waves and the wind is false doctrine. They are they are tossed to and fro by the waves and they are carried about by every wind of doctrine, of doctrine. The content of these waves, the content of the wind, is false doctrine. It is false teaching that is influencing and confusing these believers. They are being tossed around and turned every which way by false teaching. Again, so let, let, let's, let's, think through the, let's think through this text. Paul says corporate maturity is vital. And one of the reasons why corporate maturity is vital is because all of us individually are vulnerable. Childishness, spiritual childishness, is what is natural. Spiritual growth doesn't just happen. It's a choice that we have to make. It's something that we have to pursue. It's something that we have to go after. It just doesn't happen because I've been saved and I've been part of a church for 10, 15, 20 years. It just doesn't, it, it, it just doesn't happen because I've been going to church all my life. It's something that I have to pursue. It's some, I have to take the Word of God and apply it to my life and, 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 and walk in obedience and be intentional about my relationship with God. And, and so that, that doesn't, that's, that's not, it's not the natural thing. Left to ourselves, if we become static, we revert back to childishness and we're all vulnerable. And one of the things, one of the, one of the illustrations of childishness is that when I am in that state... When I'm in that state of childishness, I am susceptible to false teaching. I'm susceptible to being moved and pushed around by every, every, whatever direction this false teaching is coming from. Maybe I'm, I'm struggling with health issues and somebody's trying to teach me the fact that if I'll just have enough faith, God will heal me. I'm struggling financially and that if I'll, if, I'll, if I'll just give that seed money, God's going to bless me and I'm going to have all this abundance. And all this different stuff that's out there, we find ourselves, we, we go through a difficult time or we go through a difficult season and, and, and we're not pursuing Christ the way that we should. And if, and if a church is not exercising their spiritual gifts in ministering to one another, that person is left unprotected. 
unprotected. If I'm understanding this text correctly, that person is... Paul is saying we need to make sure that we strive for corporate maturity. Corporate maturity comes through the use of our spiritual gifts because if not, those who are children are left unprotected. For this reason, he says, for this reason... Don't be, no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine. Not only is this teaching dangerous in its content, but it's also dangerous because of the way that it is being taught. There's a culpability here. These false teachers are culpable because of how they go about it. But we're also culpable because we need to make sure that we recognize what's happening here. We need to identify the threat. Look at verse 14 again. He says, So that we may no longer be children, tossed to and fro by the waves, and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness, in or towards deceitful schemes. This last thought has three prepositional phrases. Paul... Paul's easy to do expositional preaching on because he just, he, he just lays everything out logically. But this last thought contains three prepositional phrases which build upon each other to a climax. The first prepositional phrase is translated by cunning. This is, how they, this is the way in which they do it. It is by cunning. The word is kubeya. And literally the word means dice playing. How do they do it? By dice playing. And and when it's used in this way, we would put it this way. They're playing with loaded dice. And I really didn't know what exactly what loaded dice were, so I looked it up. And it's fascinating. You know, they shave shave the the, the cube. They'll they'll shave the cube to load it. So it makes sure that it'll turn a certain way. That the numbers... I thought loaded dice was something they stuck inside the dice. So, you know, it's loaded. But no, it's, it's, it's what they do to the outside of the dice. And they just take a little bit off. And, and a couple of things that I was reading tells you how to... I mean, so the next time I go to Vegas and play craps, I, I can know whether or not how the dice are loaded, okay? It tells me what to look for. You put the dice together. There's all sorts of things you look for to make sure how the dice are... whether or not you're playing with loaded dice. But that's the idea here. Loaded dice. And, and it's used metaphorically, as we've got there on the screen for you. When it's used metaphorically, it speaks of cheating, deceitfulness... Or trickery. In other words, not only is what their teaching is false, but they their teaching is done with trickery. They're seeking to trick you. They're seeking to trick me. They're seeking to do so. But the second prepositional phrase builds up on the on the on the on the first one. In fact, it reinforces the first phrase where he says it's by craftiness. It's showing the trickery of these teachers was done to purposefully deceive. They purposefully want to deceive you. It's not something they're doing accidentally. They are doing this on purpose. They want to deceive you. They want to trick you. And the third prepositional phrase is the climax. And it reveals the direction that these false teachers are wanting to take, take uh, the, the individual believer. It says... In, or you could train, it's the word pros, into, towards, by, with, but in or towards deceitful schemes. 
enter towards deceitful schemes. Again, as we said, it reveals the direction these false teachers want to take a believer. They want to take them towards deceitful schemes. What, What does that mean? It simply means this. These teachers want to move these vulnerable believers not only into error, they want them to embrace the error. And as, as, fallen, as fallen human beings, it is much easier for us to believe a lie than it is the truth. We would all rather, we all look in the mirror and think we're not near as old as, we, as, as what the calendar says we are. You know, We'd much rather believe we look more like we did in our 40s than we do now. Okay? Or in our 20s, or when we were a teenager. We, we, would, we would much rather believe a lie than believe the truth. And the purpose, where they're wanting, the direction that they're wanting to move us to is the direction not only to where we accept the error, but we embrace the error. We embrace the error. So Paul says, this is why it's important for a church to achieve corporate maturity. This is why it's important. Because we all at times are vulnerable. There's all, there's, in all of our lives, there's areas where we still are spiritual children. We're still spiritual children. And we can be pushed around because we're not stable in those areas. But corporate maturity protects us from this And corporate maturity happens as we exercise, Paul states earlier in the chapter, as we exercise our spiritual gifts. Now, now I'm going to close with some statements that are disturbed, can be disturbing. And and I really really debated on this conclusion. But I, I want us to think through it. Imagine an active shooter gaining access to this church during our worship service. And this active shooter comes in to target our children and our infants. Now, imagine if our security team responds by just standing and watching. Put the hands in the pocket, the gun is holstered, and they just stand and watch while this shooter wounds and picks off our children one by one. I I know that's a horrible thought. I know that's a horrible thought. I know our security team wouldn't respond that way. But I know that's a horrible thought to think. But, But think, imagine that. Imagine an active shooter coming in, targeting our infants, targeting our children, and our security team just stands there with their hands in the pocket as the rest of us stand there with our hands in the pocket just watching. But here's the truth. The truth is, at any given moment, at any given moment, the most spiritually vulnerable in our church are being attacked by unscrupulous people who are influencing them to believe and embrace error. At any given moment. It might happen this week. It might happen this past week. But at any given moment, the most, this, the, 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 the most spiritually vulnerable in our church, those who are childish, 
those who are not making the choice to move away from childishness, but they're remaining childish in their spirituality. They are being attacked by unscrupulous people who are seeking to influence them to believe and embrace error. When I fail, when we fail to use or I misuse or we misuse our spiritual gifts, I believe, based upon the truth of this text, we are derelict in our responsibility to provide protection to those who are spiritually vulnerable. We may not stop them. We may not keep them from choosing error. We we may not be able to keep them from being a victim of these spiritual active shooters. But we ought to try. We ought to try. And we try by using our spiritual gifts. That's how we try. Because corporate maturity is what protects us. It's what protects us. Where each of us is fulfilling our role and responsibility as part of this church by exercising and using, excuse me, our spiritual gift. And I want you to think through this text. And I think I think I've got a right understanding of it. I really do. Of how important, based upon the purpose clause that, that, that Paul uses and, and, and the prepositional phrases that he uses there, I, I think part of what Paul is saying is one of the reasons why, why, by, why, why corporate maturity is so important is because we're vulnerable. We're vulnerable to being spiritually picked off. So it's, it's imperative that we use our spiritual gifts. I want to close by this question and this illustration. Is your spiritual gift holstered? You've got one. You've got one. You may have more than one. But is it holstered? Is it holstered? And that's that's where it stays? Or are you using it for the protection of this body? Are you using it for the protection of this body. If you're not using it, it's holstered. And I'm not here to beat you over the head. I'm not here to guilt anybody. But to stay true to the text, we've got to mention, we've got to say the truth. And God has given each of us a remarkable spiritual gift that is effective, that has been that has divine enablement, that has the power of Christ behind it, and He's given it to us in different measure. He's not only given us a gift, but the measure of that gift, the amount of that gift is different in each of us. But yet God has placed us all together in this body to use the gifts that He's given us in order that we not only can reflect Christ fully, but also so that we can protect one another. Your spiritual gift is not only a blessing. Your spiritual gift is a weapon to be used in the hands of the Lord for the protection of the body. Use your spiritual gift 
the protection of your brother or sister in Christ depends upon it. It depends upon it. You're important. I don't, I don't care what gift you have. I don't care how much or how little of that gift you think you've been given. But you're important. You're important. Because the exercise of that gift is needed so this church will corporately mature. In order that we can be more effective in protecting each other. Let's pray. Father, thank you again for this day. Thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you for this solemn reminder of the responsibility that's been placed upon us. Spiritual gifts are not little cutesy things that we find out to do so that we can check off of our I served God list. And so I feel pretty good about myself. Father, they, they, have, they have real value and of our real importance. It's more than just um, making sure a church runs smoothly. And, 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 the, and that's part of it for the work of the ministry. But Father, there's so much more. It's, it's so much more faceted. There's so much more depth to it. Father, I pray that you'd help us to see that whatever way in which you've gifted us, that we have, an, we have a part in that protection. We have an area that we're responsible for. And that area is necessary to ensure the protection of each other. We thank you, Father, for your work. We thank you for your word. We pray your continued blessings upon it today. Pray these things in Christ's name through the Spirit. As heads are bowed and eyes are closed, we don't have an altar call, but we do have an invitation. And we want to invite you to think about your use of your spiritual gift. Uh, you say, I'm not sure what my spiritual gift is. Well, again, there's, we don't have time to get all into it. It's, it's really not that hard. It's not that difficult. Areas where God has gifted you, areas where you enjoy serving, and if you're not sure, just start serving in different areas until you find an area that, that man, you just, it fits and you get, uh, you're blessing people with it and you're being blessed by using it. And, but whatever it is, and if you are, and sometimes you just get discouraged in, 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 in how you're using your gift, don't, I, I know it, you can get discouraging, but, but it's more than just about the work being done at a church having an effect upon lives whether it's visibly seen or not so we want to give you a time just to spend some time with the Lord and, and whatever that need is today and, uh, and then we'll continue, uh, continue our worship through our giving